0: Hello, I'm Brendan Long. I'm a senior researcher at Charles Sturt University. And today, my guest in, the, in our podcast is Professor Brenton Prosser, who's a professor in the School of Business and Law at the University of Canberra, but also, and most importantly, is the director of NATSEM, which is the National Centre for Social and Economic Modelling, one of the peak bodies or peak uh, social research organisations in the country with a, a long-standing national reputation. So it's great to um, have you join me today, Brenton. Thanks, Brenton. Um, I'm here to talk mostly about where we are in this COVID world. Uh, what it concerns me is that while most of us probably are grateful that we are not experiencing what is happening in Brazil, what is happening in America, uh, and what is happening in the UK still, um, we're still there's still a genuine concern about whether the, the impacts of the COVID response and and the economic response um, are really going to have long-term social effects on Australian life and um, particularly for people who experienced economic disadvantage before the COVID crisis. I mean I'm interested in your views uh, and what sort of work you're doing generally to prepare for considering this issue in a serious way. Uh, I mean how Should we be, Brenton, should we be fearful? Should we be afraid that people who do experience economic disadvantage in Australia are going to be really hard hit by this and may take years to um, even get back to where they were before? What's your view? Yeah,
1: look, uh, I think they're really important questions. I think the consensus is that the way that the federal government went with Um, a nationally consistent, a fairly simple package, Um, even though it's an an immense package compared to previous stimulus. There's there's support for that. Um, One of the challenges for those working in modeling is these are unprecedented times. So I think back to time when I was leading a task force after the Victorian bushfires, and I spoke to one of the fire chiefs, and he's saying, well, there's a certain point after which the fires just take on their own lives and their own entities and you can't predict anymore. And uh, we can't actually produce fires to, to, for modelling purposes. And so there's, I think there's an element around this COVID-19 situation where things have happened that are unprecedented. And, and modelling is something that you have to be cautious with and it's a, it's a particular challenge. But to your main point, I think there's a very real risk that as we come out of this uh, one-size-fits-all approach across Australia, particular groups, and usually the groups that miss out, um, will miss out again. And we need to look very closely at what's happening in regional areas, what's happening with um, disabled uh, communities, what's happening with older Australians, and make sure that as we exit these arrangements, it's not just a sudden drop off, there's thoughtful um, strategies around differential approaches to policy.
0: Yeah, um, one of the things that really concerns me is, and I mean, it's inductive logic, it's looking backwards and predicting the future on the base of what happened in the past, but we know that every time we've had a serious recession in this country, which we've got, effectively got now, um, it's those people over the age of 55, um, in particular, mostly males, um, they just don't get another go. Uh, so there's this problem I'm worried about is um, the incidence of long-term unemployment, and uh, when eventually job seeker goes, if it does, and job keeper goes, and we're back to a new start world, um, it's going to be a pretty dark sort of environment for the over 55-year-old male who's lost his job.
1: I think it's a very interesting challenge for the government. They've kept maintained the line that you know at the end of September the things will go back to how they were. But previously, uh, unemployment has been framed very much around the uh, the undeserving poor, if I can use that yeah. phrase. And and uh, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are un, unemployed because of COVID-19 and are at different stages of life. And it's not the same cohort that they'll be speaking to. And I'm not sure those discourses are going to be as effective so it'll be very interesting to see how they manage um, where they land on these payments or the job seeker payment after the, the current cutoff day and whether it's politically viable to go back to the previous conditions. But I also think of work that um, that I did with uh, Ben Phillips at ANU and yeah, yeah. Catholic Social Australia where we were looking at social disadvantage uh, across every suburb, every SA2 yeah. and we found that um, disadvantage doesn't occur solely in poverty and economic terms. There's health disadvantage, social disadvantage, educational disadvantage, and every different suburban region has a different composition. In many parts of regional Australia, um, health access, uh, particularly amongst older Australians, is the the most significant form of disadvantage that's occurring. So we need to be thinking about not only um, economic responses, but what sort of social and health supports are being provided. These areas in regional Australia were doing a tough before the drought, before the bushfires, before COVID
0: nineteen, it isn't going to get any easier. And so, how do we um, how do we progress that? Uh, in a, it's like in a sort of research sense. I mean, what's the what's the research offering that NatSEM would 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 be hoping to bring to the debate in that space?
1: Well, there's a the longer term challenge that I think is in front of us and is in, in front of um, all those working in this area. If there's one thing I've heard over and over again through um, uh, media and public commentary is, why don't we have greater capacity for scenario modelling? Why weren't we prepared? No, no one knows what the social and economic landscape is going to look like. Um, how can we prepare for that in the future? And I think yeah. that's one of, the, one of the things that's going to be a challenge for Natsim is, um, how do we produce models that work at macro and micro level to help policymakers? be better prepared with the caveat of the firestorm that I talked about earlier that there's something that's hard to predict. Surely we can we can do better. But some of the things that we're working on in the shorter term. Um, we're about to commence some work around uh, the job keeper and job seeker payments and what the different scenarios might be and going back to different uh, levels of job seeker um, down the track and find out what those implications might be. The other thing that we're looking to work on is uh, changes in income distribution across the country by industry and work type, and what impact would that have on different groups by gender, by age, by disability, by inequality, and to try and get a bit of a sense of how things shifted at COVID-19, how they shifted at the start of the economic stimulus package and where they might be going in the future. So, there's some of the
0: challenges that are on, yeah, on the table for us. I mean, I sort of guess that, you know, and, and I don't know, but I sort of guess that job keeper and job seeker being so largely taken up, well, not as much as, as originally expected, but still largely taken up. That's actually probably going to sort of be a bit of a flattening effect in the short term, because um, a lot of people who uh, might have been on quite low incomes have actually probably been pushed up a bit if they're getting JobKeeper in particular. Uh, whereas uh, others on higher incomes have been pushed down a bit while they're shifted on the JobKeeper. But that will change pretty quickly once um, JobKeeper goes. And I would expect, even if there was a little bit of a narrowing there in the distribution, at the end of it, you'd sort of expect the tails to be higher, or at least the bo- tail at the bottom end to be higher. By that I mean, I'm expecting people of lower economic means and people suffering disadvantage even health and uh, all forms of disadvantage, to be more vulnerable at the end of COVID than less. Yeah, uh, I can't prove that.
1: There's a, the, mm. Mm. That's what interesting. I think. Just talking, yeah, talking talking to Regional Australia, which has yeah. been doing some research around framing the, the some of our future studies. That's playing out very interestingly where. Um, in uh, rural, regional rural cities, where it was a, a single industry, and that industry is gone, suddenly there's a huge uh, job seeker payment, and people are getting yeah. uh, more than the income for the region. So there's a lot of white goods, and there's like a, there's a small economic stimulus going on at the moment, uh, which is helping these communities. But if it goes if it goes back, and the industries well, when it goes back, and the industries are gone, what's yeah. what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Are people are people going to shift to the cities? And hence, there's, you know, where we have issues around thin markets and workforce shortages, they'll be exacerbated even further. Um, you know, what is going to happen around um, small businesses and healthcare? I mean, we're hearing currently uh, GPs, people are staying away because they're either afraid of catching COVID 19 or they think it's only for people um, yeah. with COVID 19. And so, GPs, um, They're a small business. What happens if we start losing GPs from regional towns, small-sized social social services and disability providers? What happens if this period carried through by JobKeeper and other payments, and then there's a sudden drop afterwards? That lag and shock is a really
0: big issue for regional Australia. Yeah, and and I suppose what you'd be worried about is, for example, in the context of the third sector, the not-for-profit sector, whether even though they're supported, many of the employees now under by JobKeeper in the not-for-profit sector, whether some of these entities um, are still going to continue to pre- continue as social services providers at the end of COVID, they operate under, as you know, an unders and uh, overs and uh, and overs model, which is they, they make profit on one section of their business to be able to fund loss-making sections. Of their business, um, which are the ones they probably really want to do but can't really get funding or yeah. afford to do. Now that unders and unders and overs approach of um, third sector financing in Australia, it um, <laughs> looks like a pretty freaky model in a COVID world because I would imagine if that if you're COVID losing your overs, you're only left way. with unders. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm expecting yeah, a shakeout yeah. in the sector, to be honest, and I, that concerns me because we know that government's not very good at doing social services right <laughs> um we know that it's done best by um regional groups by people on the ground like, you know, my first podcast was with vinnie's in the in the uh, canberra-goulburn area and you know obviously they're that you know they're sort of like the national gold standard in some ways sort of, of social services delivery my concern is at the end of all this whether a lot of social services provide a same disability um, whether they're yeah. going
1: to be there. No. Well, there's the, yeah, there's a real challenge uh, around this, but it's around the quality of services, it's around local knowledge, yeah. it's around a genuine market that has a diversity of players and it's not all being done by telehealth or fly-in, yeah. fly out But there's another element to this, and that is the investment in um, health and social services sectors directly flows into employment intensity. So it actually... Yeah. if sort of recovery work goes into funding these sectors it actually has direct employment outcomes um, in the regional areas which flows onto social capital and it flows onto the people who are running the scout club and the sporting coaches and there's a there's a community capital in there as well but the other thing too there was a study recently done by um, uh, the UNISA around investment in the community services in regional areas and they, they showed that for those that are locally based with local governance, there's a 2.3 times economic return. So for every dollar you get two yeah. back um, when it's directed into these locally based. So it's not just the quality of service and a community uh, support, there's actually some economic benefit in there. But if these things disappear because they're propped up and then dropped, there's not some sort of support and transition, then these things are at risk of being lost. So we need to think about differentiated responses um, for different sectors and for different regions, even if we might've had a universalist response uh, in the first, uh, in the first uh, economic stimulus packages.
0: Interesting, interesting to see what that looks like. I mean, let's just talk about the Canberra, the Canberra region, right? You know, and I mean the whole region around here, um, hit ma- massively by bushfires, hit massively by drought. Um, you know uh, and uh, you know affects the lives of, of, of people I mean you know in terms of a regional response a policy based response I mean how, how do we find out um, where the choke points where the struggle points where people are suffering where the need is I mean what's the what's the sort of the research that we could offer that would sort of uh, you know pry open regional disadvantage just say in that context
1: well, I think the um, that Catholic social services Australia study that I talked about previously that I worked yeah. on with a is a really and good starting
0: point piece of research that's right yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, and it had an index by health uh, education economic and social disadvantage so and that was that um, although that was released by electorate it's actually present by sa2 so you can actually with local service providers with local leaders you can have a very sophisticated conversation around
0: um, um, what you, is this yeah, particular area updated in the COVID world, because it might actually it'd be interesting to see, say, Catholic social services analysis of distribution at a postcode level, or a suburb level, a, a, a local local village town level, compared that to um, pre and post COVID, right? because I, I think um, it'd be worse. I think it'd be worse.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. And of course, the bushfires are in there as well, as you were mentioning yeah. before making it it's making it tougher some of the I mean I'm just off the top of my head some of the the uh, areas of New South Wales that were uh, hit with the bushfires were amongst the um, most challenged in relation to health services now part of that was because they had an older population but a heart part of it is the nature of how health policy is is delivering or not delivering on um, patient accessibility and so then you had, you had a health crisis like COVID I mean it's these things just build upon each other so it's the, it's working i suppose in partnership with regions so that um, you know national uh, policies have some thought about how they're played out according to the specific needs of uh, communities and that's the conversation that federal governments haven't always been good at but it's i think that these uh, these challenges are ones that we have to think more about how we can do that in partnership uh, with local
0: government as well as state government yeah. states and territories I, I, I'm, um, I suppose one of the last things I want to talk about is that, I suppose you know having five children and one who's twenty one, one is at nineteen, both at at university, uh, both the A and U, um, and you know uh, one of them's lost his job at the Labor Club and is on JobKeeper, uh, and the other, my other nineteen year old, well it'd be pretty hard for him to find work at the moment, really. Um, so what worries me is um, when these ki- guys graduated, these women graduate, young Australian adults graduate, say in Canberra, um, they're going to be there in about two to three years' time. Are the jobs going to be there? Are we going to see this peak in youth unemployment? Um, and the disheartening effect that it had, I mean, as, you know, uh, so, some people recall that, they graduated about the same time the keating recession occurred <laughs> well, i call it the keating recession it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 that was um that must have been like one of the you know you do a degree you get you graduate it's always hard work you're sort of at the end of it yeah think god i'm sick of that i want to get a job and then you hit with a yeah. chance that you got no hope right for 12 months yeah. at least uh, you know i mean that's not i don't know if that's something you're thinking about but. In Canberra, in particular, you know, where you've got quite a lot of students who do transition to university, I'm very worried about what happens in two or three years' time, because I still think the the the, the economic effects of COVID could last that long. So that's something that I'm not sure. No, that's I think
1: Well, I think it's that it pertains to the work that we're looking at uh, income distribution and change around different industry and different types of work within industries. Even within industry, there's been significant changes depending on the type of work within it. So that's one of the things we're interested in: who has maintained or possibly even improved? Who, which? I mean, we know that retail and accommodation and tourism and those sorts of th- things have really taken a hit. But how they played differently in different areas? How do we have responses accordingly? Here in the ACT, being um, you know, primarily based in Canberra, the public service and the universities have provided somewhat of a buffer for yeah. those who are uh, employed in the situation. But I can, I can say that, um, you know, without breaking any confidences, universities aren't employing casual and sessional wow. staff. Oh, yeah. So even, with, even within this sector, that where I'm currently um, you know, working, there's differential outcomes um, for, for different groups within it. And that's why I think we need to have sophisticated uh, responses because just saying this industry is doing fine and this one's not, it's actually going to be more complicated than that. And I think probably ACT will be relatively buffered in terms of the rest of the nation, but it's going to play out very differently in different um, parts. In diff- I mean, thinking of a one industry town, if that industry shuts down, um, you know, what is there? Um, So, And if the the borders are going to close for some time, um, international borders, so tourism isn't going to be back anytime quickly. So it's thinking really smart um, around how we have differential responses to support industries uh, and getting the economy back on. Some things will probably go gangbusters quite quickly. Many will be slower to recover. And again, that's some of the things we're trying to think about with our modelling. Um, The reality is it's been such a big change Places like the ABS are probably not going to release their figures in 2021 or 2022 using trend data and playing safe as possible. Um, But decision makers need some modelling now with all the caveats that come with economic modelling about, you know, unknowns and, um, you know, particular variables and that sort of thing. But it's trying to inform the debate now is one of our priorities looking in the months ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've worked on modelling for many years and what was the you <laughs> before from Richard Dennis, you know, it's an action between two consenting adults, economic modelling. But anyway, that notwithstanding, obviously you're doing tremendous work there, Brenton. I'm look forward to uh, hooking up with you when you've got some uh, results of uh, some of the research projects you're doing. Maybe towards uh, uh, July or something or or June July and see if if you can give us some preliminary outcomes about where you think um, disadvantage is heading in in the COVID world. So yeah, look we've got a got a great team at NATSEM and be happy to
1: share things as they progress. All right. Tremendous speech today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you you very much. Great to speak to you. Cheers.